coming up in this episode. I imagine there are some moments in this book where they almost get caught, right? And there's a lot of tension. There's like many times that, that <laughs> happens, like every step of the way. I mean, can you imagine when they first escaped slavery? It's only been like a couple weeks, and they're on this crazy abolitionist lecture circuit. Like with any good novel, right? This The stakes have to be high, right? And how could you get higher than this, really? Freedom, survival, or death, safety. Really. Like, or death, yeah, yeah. This podcast from Georgia Public Broadcasting highlights books with Georgia connections, hosted by two of your favorite public radio book nerds who also happen to be your hosts of All Things Considered on GPB Radio. I'm Orlando Montoya. And I'm Peter Biello. Thanks for joining us as we introduce you to authors, their writings, and the insights behind the stories mixed with our own thoughts and ideas on just what gives these works the narrative edge. Hey, Peter, you excited to start a new podcast? I am so excited to start this new podcast. How about you? I, I just can't believe that I get to read books, talk with authors, and then you know come back to you and our listeners and tell you all about it. And I've got a great story to start us out with. All right. Tell us all about it. It's called Master Slave Husband Wife by Ilion Wu, and it's the true story of two enslaved people, William and Ellen Craft, who in 1848 from Macon. They board a train and they escape to freedom up on the north. And it's just one of those stories, you know, the main characters face long odds and you just wonder how they're going to survive. And I spoke to the author Ilion Wu about, about that. I mean, it's just at every possible turn. It was a, it was a story that even though I knew it was going to happen, I was kind of at the edge of my, my own seat as I was writing it because it really seems impossible that they're going to make it with all the... Um, uh, really all the challenges they face on the road. Okay, so you said they just got on a train, but how did they do that exactly? How did these two enslaved people make it all the way to the north? She disguised herself as a man. Ellen, she pretended to be a sickly uh, master uh, going to the north for treatment. Mm -hmm. And he disguised himself as his enslaved person. So Mm -hmm. they basically put on costumes pretended to be other people, got on a train, and so they get on a train, and there's all kinds of, you know, subterfuge about, you know, about them pretending to be who they are and using their skills, really, to um, get get from the train to the boat, uh, up into another train, and finally up all the way to the north. I imagine there are some moments in this book where they almost get caught, right? And there's a lot of tension. There's like many times that that (laughs) happens, like every step of the way. But, you know, with their wit... Uh, with their uh, paying attention, using their skills. And let's not forget, Lamont, I want to tell you that um, Ellen, the enslaved woman, she was a domestic worker in Macon. So she had access to the house uh, so she could observe how uh, masters sound, how they move. And she also had access to, to news. Um, and she was also a seamstress, so she could make clothes. And um, so they they used their skill, they used their wits, and they paid attention, and and they escaped. It really is a remarkable story. How did you find out about this story? Well, I'm from Savannah, and I was a tour guide there for for many years, also a news producer there. And so it was one of those kind of like hidden stories that like only like really, really super (laughs) historical people knew in Savannah. Like even in Savannah, it's not well known. It was known in Savannah because they passed through Savannah. Uh, from Macon onto the boat. Um, And then afterwards, she founds a school in nearby Bryan County. 
Um, and so, you know, I found out about this story just sort of by being in that super nerdy um, historical world in Savannah. Uh, and then now the wonderful thing is I get to ask Ilion Wu, the author, how she found out about this story. And it was actually a book that the two themselves published after they escaped to freedom. It's a wonderful book. It's called Running a Thousand Miles to Freedom. And it's maybe 60-some pages long. It's relatively short. And it is it has a really rollicking adventure. They describe it almost as an adventure story, almost like a travel narrative. It's so many different romance, all these different things at once. But there's a lot that they don't say. And they can't say, or they won't say, because at the time of their writing, Maria, Ellen's mother, is still enslaved by her original enslaver dash father's wife. So they have to be careful. And they still have other loved ones in bondage. So there's a lot that they don't reveal. They don't, they don't for example, include the name, names of their enslavers. Um, actually, William does, but he doesn't include the first name. So there's, there are a lot of gaps. Um, they go on this incredible abolitionist lecture circuit to tell their story. And there's a big crisis in Boston. I mean, there's adventure after adventure, but they, they actually don't narrate those experiences. There's nothing about the abolitionist lecture tour. I mean, can you imagine when they first escaped slavery? It's only been like a couple weeks, and they're on this crazy abolitionist lecture circuit. They, they've just, just escaped, and they're physically exhausted, I'm sure, like spiritually and every other possible way depleted. And every night they're going, and every night people are asking these pretty probing, very deeply personal questions about their loss um, and their trauma and their families and their all these experiences it's possible that she just decided that she didn't want to speak these things anymore. She seems to be very good about speaking up when she wants to, which is why I think that we have to take those silences as another kind of gesture. So the interesting thing to, to me here is how Wu takes the short book that they wrote with all of its silences and shortcomings and then turns it into her book, which really has all the adventure of a play or a movie. So has it become a play or a movie? To the, best of, to the best of my knowledge, no. Okay. And I can tell you that Wu is not going to be the one to do that. Uh, Wu uh, is very kind of adamant about that she doesn't want any kind of dramatization in her book. She uh, wanted her work to be a work of nonfiction. Um, and you might be aware that, you know, when you start a book of nonfiction, it might say, you know, based on true events, mm-hmm. which is basically like, you know, the author telling you that, some of this is made up. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> beware. A lot of this is going to be made up. But no, her book is, is strictly factual, and uh, she'll leave it to other people to, to write the movie or play. I'm sure it could be. I think it could make a fabulous play. I think there's so many different ways to interpret the story, and I hope there will be other artists and filmmakers and, and music, you know, musical uh, uh, writers who will jump in and do that. But for me, that was never a possibility. I guess I wanted to honor the craft by presenting everything I could factually and not putting myself in there by imagining anything. About the book's pacing, how did you decide how quickly it should read? As you mentioned, their story themselves was was 60 pages. It it could have been a a short book, uh, but you paced out the the revealing of the information. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it was really important for me to not just focus on the the spectacle of their escape, but really to show 
the full picture, really kind of almost give a panoramic picture of both the before and the after and everything that they risked at every single moment of this journey. I mean, that's really when you see how amazing and heroic they are, when you see that at every any possible moment, I mean, they're hanging above a pit and there's like a string that's suspending them there and any false move could lead them into uh, an abyss. Uh, that was really important to me to be able to do that. Talk about an adventure story, hanging above a pit. <laughs> wow. I mean, when you think about how many enslaved people tried this and didn't escape, you know, uh, we don't even know that, really. But yeah. it's, it's so many people tried and didn't, you know, this is, it's such a such a success story. Yeah, well, like with any good novel, right, this, the stakes have to be high, right? And how could you get higher than this, really? Freedom, survival, or death, safety. Really. Or, de- or death, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so what happens at the end? I mean, they go on this lecture tour after they 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 escape to the north. Um, but what beyond that? How's it end? Well, it's not exactly a happy ending. Uh, they they do escape to the north, but in 1850, Congress passes the Fugitive Slave Act, which means that they're in danger of being recaptured by uh, their former enslavers. So they escape to England. Uh, that's where they write their book. They go on an abolitionist tour. They uh, they talk about women's rights, they, you know, suffrage, and um, the war ends. They come back to uh, uh, Georgia, and they settle in Bryan County near Savannah, as I mentioned before. And that's where they start a farm. Uh, the farm fails. Uh, they start a school. Uh, the school fails. Uh, and so they eventually have to go to live with their daughter in Charleston, uh, and that's where they die in poverty. As a lot of some of these stories end, they they end in obscurity and poverty in Charleston. Uh, she dies in 1891, William in 1900. Wow. So what did you take away from this book overall, Orlando? So I think the lesson here is to grab life and do something with it. You know, do what you can right now to better yourself, to better others. You know, take risks. You know, as I said, they might fail. Uh, they, uh, William and Ellen Craft failed in the end, you know, in, in the end, we're all going to die. <laughs> but but what, we can't, you can't take that. You, you got to, in every step of their story, they're fully involved in their lives to improve their lives and the lives of others. And that's what I love about this book. I don't think I can speak for the Crafts because I, I'm not in their heads, but just based on everything I've known and studied and, um, and, of them, I would say that there are people who dug heartily into life. They're not ones to have sort of sit back and, and say, um, I don't really care. They cared so, so deeply about everything. And I think that kind of passion, when you lead life with that kind of passion, it, it comes with joy. And they brought joy to so many people around them. So does that sound like a story you want to read about? Yeah, I mean, I want to hear how they brought joy. I, I want to hear how uh, it inspired you. You know, I want to, I want to see that for myself. Well, uh, I'm glad to bring it to you. I'm glad to bring it to our listeners. And I hope you'll have a good story for me next time. I've got some good stuff coming your way, for sure. All right. That was All About Master Slave, Husband Wife by Ilion Wu. Hey, it's Orlando again. Since we published this episode, Ilion Wu reached out to us with an email. She wanted us to clarify that while she decided not to fictionalize the craft story, she would be happy to have someone adapt the book as a film. And she also wanted us to note that while we can say the crafts lost their property in Bryan County, we can't say anything more than that, as in they died in poverty. 
there's not enough information in the historical record. And if you have something to say about this podcast, let us know. We welcome your comments at narrativeedge at gpb.org. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to The Narrative Edge. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. This podcast is a production of Georgia Public Broadcasting. Find us online at gpb.org slash narrativeedge. You also can catch us on the daily GPB news podcast, Georgia Today, for a concise update on the latest news in Georgia. For more on that and for all of our podcasts, go to gpb.org slash podcasts. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.